I wish I had a nice mic. I just yelling at my laptop. I just wish I knew where it was recording too. I'm yelling at my phone. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we're all still here. This is, uh, I'm, this is definitely, it's death by video. Yep. We're not dead yet though. Yeah. The videos haven't killed us yet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so quarantined by video. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's right. Here's a movie that you never seen. The map is some ninjas or a crazy death machine. There'll be smiles, there'll be tears. You won't watch a movie for about eight billion years. It's time for death by video. Time for death. By video. And now the show will begin. So who are we? I'm Phil. I'm Kit. I'm Graham. Lillian is not here. Um, I feel like that's going to become our uh, sorry we ran out of time, Matt Damon joke. <laughs> um, all right. And so the movie we're doing tonight is Trancers, uh, which. Trancers! which can best be described as a combination of Blade Runner, The Terminator, and Repo Man. Um, this movie was made yeah. from very little... Like some, it's got a little James Bond action in there, too. Oh, yeah. And it's, I guess it's just a bit of like that sort of like Gold Marlowe-type gumshoe. Uh, yeah, totally. Yeah, with uh, Tim Thomerson's character. Very hard-boiled, which is kind of like the uh, same character he played in Dollman, to be honest. Yeah, yeah totally. cop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He was on like the wrong side of his chief. You know, he doesn't play by the rules. McNulty. <laughs> yeah, Doll Man was basically like, "Honey, I Shrunk the Kids" meets Trancers. Trancers, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ironically, "Honey, I Shrunk the Kids" was initially developed at Charles Band's production company, um, but then uh, Stuart Gordon, Brian Usner got that sweet uh, Disney, Disney money. Yeah, 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 which, um, although uh, Charles Band's father, Albert Band, is still credited as a producer on Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh, snap. No, he's credited on Honey, I Blew Up the Kid for some reason. Not. Oh. Um, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know what's going on with that. of the two. Um, so we should talk a little bit about Transfers. It was directed by the infamous uh, producer-director Charles Band. He's the son of director Albert Band. He is the brother of composer Richard Band who did the soundtrack for Trancers as well as Reanimator. Um, and he is the father of Alex Band, who is the lead singer for the band The Calling, which I didn't know until earlier this afternoon. Um, and 19- a lot of bands. A lot of bands. <laughs> yeah. They should just start a band called The Band Band. <laughs> Aren't yeah. they calling that band from like the early aughts? Yeah, they're that band. Okay. So yeah. in 1972, at the age of 21, Charles Band founded Charles Band Productions. He produced and directed the company's first feature film, Last Foxtrot in Burbank, which was a spoof of Last Tango in Paris. Uh, It's best noted for being edited by John Carpenter, who had just graduated from film school. Uh, After 10 years of running Charles Band Productions, he got frustrated with how his films were being distributed by motion picture companies. And so he founded Empire International Pictures to be a small-scale theatrical distributor in 1983. This paid off greatly with one of their first releases, Ghoulies. Ghoulies. Yes. Uh, Empire International Pictures would go on to produce distri- and distribute Trancers, Reanimator, From Beyond, Eliminators, Troll, Terrorvision, Creepazoids, Dolls, 
Enemy Territory, the awesome action film starring Ray Parker Jr. in his acting debut, which, Phil, you can attest to. Yes, absolutely. Um, and he also produced our godfather Albert Pune's film Vicious Lips, as well as Cellar Dweller, uh, Cellar Dweller the Sam Raimi-produced horror film Intruder, uh, Stuart Gordon's Robot Jocks, amongst many, many others. Uh, the company became so successful that Charles Band uh, purchased Castillo di Giovi, a 12th century <laughs> castle in Italy, <laughs> which became a filming location for many of his productions throughout the late 1980s and much of the 1990s. He also purchased Dino De Laurentiis Cinematografica, uh, the studio founded by Dino De Laurentiis in, uh, for allegedly $20 million. So we'll talk a bit about the more about the film before we go into um, what happened with uh, Empire International Pictures. Um, so Charles Band, he has 306 credits as a producer on IMDb. He has 63 credits as a director. Gosh. Uh, he, he likes to work, although the, the quality kind of takes a nosedive. It's quality. It's quantity over quality is what uh, you're saying, Graham. It definitely becomes that towards the end. Um, so, as a, uh, so he directed some of the films where the aforementioned Last Foxtrot in Burbank. He did the movie Crash with an exclamation point at the end of it. He did Parasite. <laughs> Not that one. Well, there's what, three movies now named that? <laughs> named yeah. Crash? Although he, he did re-release his movie Parasite at the same time that the movie Parasite was being released on home video so that it might confuse Why the not? place. Did his yes. parasite have an exclamation point as well? No, no, it doesn't. Only Crash does. Oh. Crash. Crash. Uh, so. Aronofsky. Yeah. Um, so he did. Um, he also did the film Metal Storm: The Destruction of Jared Zinn, which is pretty fun. Uh, he did the movie The Alchemist. He did The Dungeon Master, Trancers, also known. Trancers is also known as Future Cop. He did Trancers, City of Lost Angels, which is a short film that came out in 1988. That is also known as Trancers 1.5, which got the entire cast back together. He did the film Meridian, Crash and Burn, which is a uh, not quite sequel to Robot Jocks. He also did Trancers 2. He did Dr. Mordred, which I think we discussed on the last podcast. That's his knockoff of Dr. Strange. He directed the children's film Prehysteria. He directed Dollman vs. Demonic Toys. Puppet right. Master, The Legacy, Dr. Moreau's House of Pain, The Ginger Dead Man, starring Point Break's own Gary Busey, Evil Bong. <laughs> Ginger Dead Man. The Ginger Dead Man. Evil Bong, Evil Bong 2, King Bong, Evil Bong 3, The Wrath of Bong, Puppet oh. Master X, Axis Rising, Ginger Dead Man versus Evil Bong. Oh, come on. <laughs> Evil Bong 420. <laughs> Evil Bong High Five. Uh, Evil, no. Evil Bong 666. Evil Bong 777. Just and, going with the Evil Bongs now. And Puppet yeah. Master Blitzkrieg Massacre. Or Puppet Master Blitzkrieg Massacre. Uh, so he <laughs> has done a lot of films uh, as a director and as a producer. Quality um, films all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Transfers was written by Danny Bilson and Paul DeMeo who had gone to develop the 1990s uh, Flash television series. Uh, and they also wrote the Disney film The Rocketeer. Oh, uh, shit. And then they went on to write several video games in the late 90s, early 2000s. They are 007 Agent Under Fire, 007 Nightmare, 
Command and Conquer Generals, Medal of Honor, Rising Sun, 007 Everything or Nothing, and GoldenEye Rogue Agent, which was the long-awaited sequel to GoldenEye that did not do nearly as well. Wow, as a writing duo, always? Yeah, they were a writing duo on all those videos. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, you know, it's one of the things they probably could only write together. Um, So before I get into uh, the actors in the film, because there are a few well-known ones, um, have we seen anything interesting since we last recorded? Yes. Um, Earlier today, I finally got around to watching the American giallo Alice Sweet Alice, a.k.a. Holy Terror, a.k.a. Communion, a.k.a. in Florida, but only in Florida. A lot of AKAs. Yeah, uh, The Mask Murders, I think. Hmm. That's the one with Brooke Shields, right? Yes, but Brooke Shields is only in it for the first 10 minutes. This movie <laughs> was made in 1976, but it was it switched hands distribution-wise over the years. It was really screwy distribution. Never really did well commercially, but it was re-released in 1981 as Holy Terror. And at that point, Brooke Shields had, um, her career had really taken off. So they uh, gave her top billing. They uh, re-released in 1981, Brooke Shields and Holy Terror. But she was like 10 at the time. Gets killed in the first 10 minutes of the movie. Oh, yeah. Um. Cool. So, uh, it's just a, a truly bonkers, just great psychological jello, great plot twists. Nice. Great kills. Where is uh, that streaming? It's on Canopy. Um, there's also a rip of it on YouTube. Uh, I think they're equally janky rips, but um, so it's not the because I know Arrow Video put out a remastered version of it. Um, yeah, this year. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the one on Canopy is pretty iffy quality, but it's watchable enough. Oh, okay, cool, cool. That's a 108-minute cut. There have been a few cuts circulating over the years. Oh, yeah. Is it like a, um, a whatchamacallit, a, uh, a situation like uh, with Reanimator where there was like a, an ex- a unrated cut, a, a R-rated cut, an extended cut, different cut for home video, or was it just uh, due to like different regions? I think it's also different regions. It was a video nasty at some point. Um, and there was controversy in the seventies. Like they didn't, the original title for the movie was communion, but um, they switched the title to Alice Sweet Alice because the Catholics, because of the, because of the Catholics. And it's, it is, it has a less than a less than a friendly uh, view of the Catholic church. Let's just <laughs> That way. <laughs> cool. Kit, what have you seen? <laughs> it's the Catholics. It's the Catholics. Oh, also of note, sorry, uh, sorry I'll to get, jump in. I'll get. Um, the, the main protagonist of Alice Sweet Alice is uh, Paula E. Shepard, who later went on to do one other movie, and that movie was Liquid Sky. Oh, one of my favorites. She was like the rhythm box person. Really? I am I, I'm a big fan of her performance in Liquid Sky, and that's interesting. Yeah. And she's fantastic in Alice Sweet Alice, so that's one more reason to check out Alice Sweet Alice. Cool. Anything else, Phil? Nope, that's it. 
Cool. Kale, what have you seen that's been interesting since we last recorded? Uh, well, as you know, I, I decided to do the 15-day free trial to the Criterion channel, but it uh, wouldn't work on any of my uh, web browsers because of reasons. I don't know, they explain them. Some sort of copyright issue somewhere. Oh, weird. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, and I uh, was too lazy to figure it out right away, and then I kind of let the uh, thing lapse, and then it reminded me on the last day. It's like, oh, hey, uh, this is ending tomorrow. So I canceled it, and then I snuck in a quick movie, uh, Eraserhead, because it was only an hour and a half long, and I hadn't <laughs> seen it. And nice. I watched it on my little phone, because that's all I could get it to work on, so I just watched it on my phone. Uh, so that's the way that. David Lynch wanted. What's that? Just the way David Lynch wanted. <laughs> Don't watch my movie on an iPhone. <laughs> well, it wasn't, David. It was an Android. That's worse. <laughs> um. <laughs> it's wonderful. I had the lights off. I plugged in my speaker wire to the uh, to the phone, so I had good sound anyway. <laughs> so it was a big <laughs> sound coming out of a little screen. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that was a weird movie. Uh, but now I've seen it. Nice. Uh, and then I also watched the um, the thirty sixth chamber of Shaolin, which is on mm. Netflix. There's a bunch of those uh, old Shaolin Gordon Liu movies on uh, Netflix at the moment, so I'm gonna check is, a few more out because this one was pretty fun. Is Dirty Ho on there? I didn't see Dirty Ho, and I also didn't see uh, Wu Tang versus Shaolin, okay. which I would like to see. But um, mm. there's a few others at least, so I'm gonna check those out. Nice. And maybe there's more. Uh, Netflix has the worst, um, I don't know, way of organizing movies that I've ever seen in any sort of website. It's just oh, random and terrible. You haven't seen Amazon Prime yet. Oh, I haven't. You're right. I have like, not seen Amazon it's Prime. It's so bad. Like, it's like you'll be searching for a movie or just like looking around for movies and it's like, well, it's not on Amazon Prime. And then someone will be like, no, it's totally there. And it's like, why wouldn't it be, why, just, al like, here's the thing I don't get. Just alphabetize your movies. Just alphabetize. Yeah, just give me a, give me a list. Yeah. But no, it's got to be an algorithm. It's got to be suggested. Yep, exactly. Terrible. There's nothing wrong with alphabet like, with alphabetizing it. It just works easier that way. You don't have to hunt and Let us find the contents. Yeah. Um, so the worst I, that can happen? Yeah. So I saw, uh, I rewatched, um, cause I, I did your trick kit to get CTV back cause I couldn't get CTV on my, on my antenna. So I re did the rechannel set and it so worked, right? Back. Yeah, it worked. Yeah. Um, and last Sunday they were playing last action hero. So I just sat there and watched nice. uh, last the action commercials hero. the way it was intended to be watched. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it was, it was, it was, it's interesting because it's not a very good movie, but it's just kind of insane that that became a movie. Especially one that had such a big budget. It's just nuts. The peak, um, peak Schwarzenegger days, too. Like, he just yeah, came off, like, off like Terminator 2 and um, the James Cameron one. <laughs> True it was Lies. like right yep. before True Lies. It was like the year before True Lies. Oh, was it the year before? Okay. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he had done Commando. He had done Predator. He did all those movies where it's him holding a gun. But the weird thing is you can totally tell that that character was meant to be like a Bruce Willis type or a Mel Gibson type, not a Schwarzenegger type. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, even Stallone, really. Um, but you know, it was it was fun. I can't complain. Um, I also watched. Uh, well, I mean, uh, Phil, you and I, along with several other friends, watched the movie Star Crash, which was mm -hmm. super fun. Luigi Cosi's Italian Star Wars knockoff. Um, and interestingly enough, talking about knockoffs. So on the Pure Cinema podcast, 
Quentin Tarantino made an appearance uh, most recently talking about uh, the films he's been reviewing for their for his website. Because people basically didn't know that Tarantino is writing film reviews like a madman. But um, uh, well, might as well. He uh, he wasn't on their knockoffs episode, but he wanted to talk about certain knockoffs. And they, this came out after I picked this film. He selected Transfers to as a one of his favorite knockoffs because he's like it's so. It's, it's such a realized world. Like they've got their own dialogue and their own way of speaking. Like, you know, as opposed to time travel, it's called going down the line. Um, and, you know, they call people who are easily led. Squibs. Squibs. Yeah, instead of squares. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Which I like. And uh, dry hairs for squibs, baby. Yeah. And when he, when they, when they like terminate a, um, terminate a, Oh my god, I'm drawing a blank on what they call the guys. What do they call them? The bad guys? Oh, the Trancers. Oh my god. It's the name of the movie. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta you gotta singe them or uh, what is that? Well, he says he's like that's 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 his term for like you know killing them. He's like I singed three Trancers. Um, At least behind a scorch. Let's yeah. Check the scorch isn't there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it was interesting. I, I watched Star Crash and. Um, uh, I guess the other movie I watched recently was Trancers 2, immediately after I watched the first Trancers. I wanted well, we'll get into that, I guess. We will, we will get into that. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty much it for me. There's uh, a third Trancers movie, isn't there? There's there like six, six of them. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Technically or 6.5, 6. rather. How 6. much did uh, Tim Thomerson do? He did six. He did all six, okay. Yeah, <laughs> 6.5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, and we'll get into that. Um, so Trancers, of course, stars Tim Thomerson, who we were talking about, um, as the hard-boiled detective Jack Death. And I love the fact- Jack Death. I love the fact that in this movie, people call him on his last name, like Death. All the time, yeah. That's a stupid last name. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, (laughs) it kind of adds to the fun of the movie where it's a little self-aware. Yeah, it was, Um, I found, actually. Yeah, and it's smart. You kind of had to be for kind of doing what it was trying to do. Um, So Tim Thomerson previously appeared on uh, DBV as Brick Bardo in our uh, episode on Albert Pune's Dollman. He's a friend of the pod. Yep. Yep. Um, He began his career in the arts as a stage builder and a prop man at the Old Globe Theater in California in the late 1960s. After being encouraged uh, to study acting by Anthony Zerbe, he enrolled in the Stella Adler uh, program in New York City, which our friend Ermina Perez, former guest of the podcast, uh, mm-hmm. went through, where she actually worked with Anthony Zerbe. Um, mm-hmm. And after leaving Stella Adler, he began a career in stand-up comedy, doing sets alongside David Letterman and Jay Leno in Los Angeles. He then transitioned into acting roles fairly early with the television show Mannix, uh, he also did Laverne and Shirley, as well as the film Car Wash in 1976. There you go. He had a significant role in the 1980 horror film Fade to Black, playing against his comedic background as a social worker. Um, he also appeared in the Charles Band film Metal Storm, The Destruction of Jared Zinn, which we really should do on this podcast. Metal Storm! Metal Storm! <laughs> <laughs> so that role led him to being cast in Trancers. Um, and Jack Death is probably his best known role because he's played it on seven different occasions, uh, including the the short short film from 1988. He uh, he's also worked with Albert Pune several times uh, in films like Nemesis, Knights, and Brain Smasher: A Love Story. 
He did the 1990s television tour of Pacific Blue, Xena Warrior Princess, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and Lois and Clark the New Adventures of Superman. He has way too many credits to list here, but he is still working to this day, um, with his most recent project being Beautiful Evil, announced as active or in pre-production as of 2020. We should also point out to the film's great discovery, which is Helen Hunt. Like, this was her feature film debut. Yeah. Um, there you go. A young ingenue. Yep. She co-stars in the film as Lena. Uh, it's her feature film debut. As I said, she began as a child star, as a child, not child star, but child actor around 10 years early in doing a lot of television movies. She did one that I can't track down, but it sounds awesome. The after school special? Uh, she's done those, but she did a, a movie with uh, Raul Julia called Death Scream, which I really want to find. Death Scream. Wow, that sounds awesome. That's the name of my next album. Um, <laughs> uh, and Tim Thomerson actually personally recommended Helen Hunt uh, after working with her on a television project. So they hired her based on his recommendation. And then, of course, after this, she wanted to rate success. Uh, she starred in the films Girls Just Want to Have Fun, Peggy Sue Got Married, Twister. Uh, she had the long-running television series Mad About You, which is actually, I didn't realize, back in production now. Yeah, they're doing more. Yeah, I don't know who was asking for more Mad About You, but somebody was. Well, Paul Reiser is. <laughs> well, Paul Reiser was in Stranger Things Season 2, so he's not uh, resting on his laurels. But Playing I his character from Aliens? No, he's actually... Well, the, the interesting thing is, if you, you haven't seen Stranger Things Season 2, have you? No, I haven't. So we'll do a 30-second we'll spoiler over it while I, ex I explain it. Basically, his character in Stranger Things Season 2 is a play on his character from Aliens, where you think he's going to be the guy that's like nice and smiley and screws everybody over. But in the end, it turns out he's this nice and smiley guy that's really nice and smiley and actually comes oh, to people. That's a nice change for Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, when talking about Mad About You, like I remember watching, I caught a couple episodes of it when it was last in syndication on like Omni 2 or something at 4 a.m. in the morning. And it's a charming show. It's, yeah, it's not bad. I remember it being not bad. Yeah, it's, you know, they're both people that work for a living. I always appreciate that in TV shows where people actually have jobs that are real things. Um, and of course, some, I remember they had like some weird episodes too, like some, I forget, I was watching an episode where they both wake up and they're not married to each other and they're actually still single and they have separate apartments and, but they realize they are married to each other and it's like this whole. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's, that's very much, um, you know, that, that's, that's very much. And that better have been recording the entire time. Uh, that's that, but that was very much 90s. Uh, it says it's recording. That's very much, you know, 90s uh, sitcoms. Like, they all kind of had those tropes. And, like, they do the episode where mm -hmm. everyone, where it was in a different decade or a different century. Um, or where, you know, what if these people had never met? What if this, what if Zach Morris never came to, you know, Bayside High? So they would frequently do that. Um, and of course, Helen Hunt won the Oscar for her role in As Good As It Gets. Alongside Good, as a movie I've still never seen and probably never will see. It's not bad. It's not bad. So I, 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 would, I would say it's not, not bad. not good either. <laughs> it's right in the middle. I haven't seen it in a while. It had some good jokes. Got Greg uh, Kinnear in it. Uh, uh, Helen Hunt was also famously in a PSA where she, she does like, I don't know, smokes reefer and jumps out of a window. I can't quite remember what it is. Well, that's, that was the after school special that I was alluding to earlier. Um, 
Yeah, make Rather sure. Gain the second life uh, during the keyboard cat era. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. So, uh, so like, yeah, I guess like her. The context is like her boyfriend's like cooking up PCP in um, the science lab, and she, uh, her boyfriend, pushes her into it, and she jumps out the window, and then it's sex in the keyboard cat, and then, and that's sex into a uh, Hollywood video. There you go. Nice. Yeah. Um, despite her rising fame, she actually came back for Trancers, uh, City of Lost Angels, and she also came back for Trancers 2 and Trancers 3, Death Lives. She came back for how many Trancers? She came back for, like, uh, the short film in 1988, and then she also came back for Trancers 2. Is it a short film? Yeah, that's, that's known as Trancers 1.5. Interesting. Yep. Um, it was done as part of a, part of a pitch for an anthology TV series. Um, but yeah, so she came back and when Charles Band was asked like how he was able to get her to return to the role of Lena, he said he didn't have to do any convincing. She returned to the role simply because she was cool and wanted to do cool movies. So you can oh, tell like, so it's like, yeah, like, you can see like she's someone that understood like, Hey, I kind of like this thing kind of got me in the door. So I'm going to keep doing this fun little B movie series, at least until part three. And then after that, she was kind of done. Yeah. Um, Biff Mannard plays Hap Ashby, a former pitcher for the Los Angeles Angels, who is the Wow. Wow. What? Just just the combination of one, the real man's name, and then two, the name of the character, which is the perfect like lost baseball guy name. Like that's definitely the name of a pitcher from the seventies on some team. Hap Ashby, it's fantastic. But then his real name is what? Biff Biff Maynard. Maynard. Biff Maynard. (laughs) Awesome. So he was also personally recommended uh, by Tim Thomerson to the producers for the role of Hap Ashby in the film. Um, he was also really drunk during the movie as well. Like he, he, that was method acting right there. He went full method. method acting, yeah. Yeah, Tim Thomerson had to physically manhandle Biff during their scenes together because Biff had no idea what was supposed to, what he was supposed to be doing, or where he was supposed to go. Wow. Um, the other interesting thing is that the pro ball tooth that Biff spits out of his mouth was, which is something they used to give baseball players, like when they would lose a tooth, if they got hit in the head with a baseball, I think. That's um, what that was. I had no idea what that was. I thought it was gum at first too. Until I yeah. But it turns out that was Biff's actual tooth. And after the filming ended, Tim Thomerson gave him the money to get his teeth fixed. So it, it sounds like Tim Thomerson is just a prince of a man, just like recommending yeah. roles. Helping drunks get their teeth fixed. Um, Both in film and in real life. Exactly. Um, and there's not much background on, on Biff other than his first role was uh, in the 1970 television se- or was in 1970 on the television series Mission Impossible. Uh, he would go on to be the centerfold in the May 1975 issue of Playgirl magazine. Okay. Not quite sure how or why that happened. Um, he did several episodes. It was episodes- a different time. Yeah. He did several episodes of the television show Bonanza, as well as he appeared on the iconic 1970s Cheese Fest Chips. Uh, Most of his roles uh, were bit characters where the characters didn't have names, but rather descriptions of their jobs, such as manager, highway patrolman number two, wino, dealer number one, and drunk. (laughs) And his final role is drunk. Um, (laughs) Transfers is kind of his breakout role. He went on to appear in the Empire International Pictures film Zone Troopers, which reunited him with Tim Thomerson. Um, he also appeared in Star Trek The Next Generation, 
Night Court Hunter. Which episode? Uh, uh, give me a second here to look it up. Uh, where is Biff Mannard? Okay. I just he recently was, rewatched it. He was in uh, Elementary, my dear Data. Data. Oh, okay. So he's in he one was of probably on on the uh, the what's the holodeck. He was a Victorian like thug, probably in a holodeck simulation. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, he returned in Transfers Two, and then he appeared alongside Carrie Russell in the movie Eight Days a Week. His final appearance was in something called Dirty Jokes, the movie, in 2008. And he passed away on May 19th, 2014, at the age of 71 in Las Vegas, Nevada, USA. Um, That's unfortunately the end of most of my notes. There are some other interesting characters in it. So for for instance, the character of um, the lab technician, uh, Engineer Reigns is her name. She's played by Telma Hopkins. Who would go on to star as Aunt Rachel in um, uh, in Family Matters? Family Matters. Um, ah, yeah, yeah. How about that? Um, Anne Seymour played the the role of Chairman Ash, who yes, and originally Betty Davis was up for that role, but she wasn't available Damn. due to um, yeah due to uh, scheduling issues. Uh, Richard Hurd played Chairman Spencer, and the prolific Art Lafleur played McNulty. Uh, Tim Thomerson's uh, superior in uh, what should we call it in uh, in transfers. The, the yeah, yeah, the trooper force, whatever they're called. The uh, the uh, Angel City Police Force, something like that. He also played. Um, I'm, I'm just calling, going from memory right now. He also played um, Babe Ruth in the Sandlot. Oh snap! He does have that look. Yeah, no, he, he has such a long acting career. He's also He also comes back for Transfers 2, as does Telma Hopkins. Like, everybody comes back for Transfers 2. No one's left behind. That was a good set, then. Everybody had a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah for That's sure. That's all downhill from Transfers 3 to 6, I guess. Well, I'm going to do my best to try and find... Binge watch the rest of the Transfers movies? Yeah, because the second one was still fun. It wasn't as good as the original one, but it was still pretty fun. So, uh, what's some other notes about transfers I can I can talk about? Uh, well, I mean, we can just get into the uh, into the plot if you want. Sure, but I'll, I'll just do a little bit. So, Jack Death's car in the future is a 1955 Mercury Montclair, which is heavily modified by Gene Winfield, who built the spinners and the full size cars for Blade Runner. So, like, they brought on some of the actual people who worked with on Blade Runner. Um, we should also point out that the makeup effects were handled by um, Carl Buechler, who did some of the makeup effects for Reanimator, and of course directed Ghoulies Three: Ghoulies Go to College, which I think we should try, we should try and do Ghoulies Three: Ghoulies Go to College on the podcast at some point. <laughs> you once told me there'd be no Ghoulies on this podcast. I know, but the fact that Ghoulies Three keeps coming up kind of yeah. <laughs> changing my my attitude. Yeah, because I saw because I saw Buchler's name in the opening credits, so I was wondering if there was like a Buchler theme you were uh, so a loose Buchler theme you were going. It's with. just luck, honestly. It's yeah. just luck. Uh, so yeah, let's let's go through the story. I'm Jack Death. I'm a trooper in the 23rd century. Jack Death, Angel City PD. May I see your stats? What did I do? Under Section 7 of the Penal Code, the Council authorized me to administer you a transfer suspect examination. You can't give me a TSE without a warrant. I got your warrant right here now. Okay, okay, okay. I don't want any trouble. Well, that's your My job is hunting transfers. I got nothing to hide. Finding them. Negative. And singeing them. 
Sometimes they find me first. Then it's a little more complicated. How do you know Whistler's location? We monitored a line disruption in Los Angeles, December 1985. And Zant, Ash, and I all had ancestors in the city then. If you think I'm bringing that scum up the line, you got the wrong trooper. Unless you stop Whistler. Everything the council has accomplished for the last 40 years will count for nothing. Okay, let's say I believe this. You're a cop from the future and you're chasing this guy, Piper. Whistler. Why doesn't he just turn you into one of these zombies? Or me? Trancing only works on squids. People with weak minds, easily controlled. Lena, I'm from another time, another world. I don't even know what you people eat for lunch. Okay, I got fried rice, egg rolls, and beef chow mein. Beef? from a cow? I thought it was rough in the 23rd century. I didn't know how hot it could get. Jack? How's my tan? It was getting hotter all the time. Jack? I guess I just attract a certain element no matter what century I'm in. I gotta run now. I wanna ride with the lady. Over here, Ashby! We start in the future, 2370-something, I guess. 2247. Uh, 2247, okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's exterior, neon-lit cafe, very retro 50s. At the same time. Yeah. So we got some uh, noir, faux noir-ish voiceover narration, a bit of exposition. About what Tim Thomerson does, uh, he's looking for these transfers who are basically these zombified uh, submissives under the control of a uh, nefarious character named Whistler. And uh, he goes into uh, the diner and uh, he's seeking uh, some uh, good old bean juice. Is that what he asks for? Bean juice? Coffee. coffee. Standard, oh. Some standard class of coffee, expensive coffee. And he sees a suspicious character who he suspects is the aforementioned Prancer. And turns out he's not. However, the waitress serving the coffee is da da da, a Trancer. Oh no! A fight she, ensues. What does she attack him with? She, she tries to get him with the coffee pot or like something? She has a cleaver. There's oh, a, a cleaver. Like, That's what she has, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she attacks him with a bunch of shit. 
She throws like a like a like a whole pot of boiling water on him, yeah. and he just kind of falls over, and he's like, "Ow, oh, that hurt!" <laughs> but then he yeah, he's back pretty up. unflappable, all things considered. You, he even reaches for his gun, but it's too hot because it just got hit with boiling water. Yeah, his, his zapper thing. His zapper, yeah. Whatever. I can't even remember what it's called. I finished watching this movie like forty minutes ago. Oh wow! I like. Yeah. Uh, I like these kind of sci-fis that are set in like a dirtbag type future, like oh, totally. Alien and uh, Blade Runner and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, it it definitely was meant to be to play up the success of not so much Blade Runner because Blade Runner was a bomb, but it was meant to be kind of a uh, a Terminator knockoff where one guy goes back to kill somebody and another guy goes back to stop somebody from being killed, and. I think Charles Band just really liked Blade Runner, so he was like, let's just do Terminator, but like Blade Runner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyways... It, it, it does crib a lot of the visual aesthetic from Blade Runner, but it's kind I mean, of its own thing as well. Yeah, I, I like it because I, I really love the aesthetic of this movie. I think it's lit very well. Like, even when they go back to 1985, it's mm-hmm. still neon because it was LA. It's still dark. Like, they, they do a lot of scenes at night, so it's people lit by, like, red lights or neon lights or green lights like the punk rock scene is amazing i just I love oh yeah that punk rock scene is something else yeah like, like it's so economical but yet like it's aged incredibly well like you like pretty much any other movie from this era you know it's so horribly dated but yeah and it's just i think it's thing. Mm-hmm. well i think it's because it was showing a man twice out of time because yeah. he comes he go comes from the future into the past and he acts like mm-hmm. someone from the 1940s yeah so he really yeah it's it's crazy but um and then where do we go from there kit because i think uh, the guy that runs out he like sets off like an emergency signal and the police arrive just after jack death has uh singed or yeah 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 he's he's uh he's uh singed the uh trancer uh mm-hmm. you can find the scorch inside he tells uh chief mcnulty who shows up yeah which got me, you know, hoping that this was some extended, you know, the wire universe type thing where. Well, I think uh, if they went to 1990s Baltimore, they would have. It would have been Jimmy McNulty <laughs> from The Wire. Would have been his ancestor. Yeah, yeah. that would have been great. <clears throat> and so we um, learned, basically, Jack Death. Um, he he. Yeah, we learned that his wife. Sorry. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, we learned that uh, Jack Death, uh, you know, he's kind of, well, we sort of learned the plot. Uh, this Whistler character is dead, but there's still trancers or something like that. Um, and um, Jack Death is, is pretty, he's fed up uh, and he's in it because, um, you know, his wife was killed by trancers, tragically. Um, right. And uh, McNulty is like, you know, we're going to, uh, something like the, the council needs you, Jack. And then he's like, fuck him. He tosses his badge away. He doesn't want to be a police officer anymore. We learned that the creator of the Trancers, Whistler, is dead. Or yeah, that's, that's what I meant, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's like, that's it. This is the only reason I was in it, sort of. Uh, and he doesn't want to listen to orders. He's not going to play by the rules, so he just throws his badge away and goes to his main hobby, which is uh, deep sea diving in the sunken city of Los Angeles and pulling up like barnacle Sunset Boulevard signs. And they call it, it's called Lost Angeles. So yeah, I guess yeah. it's like the former Los Angeles. So I guess they renamed it Lost Angeles sometime between 1985 and 2247. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was lost in a way. It's sunken yeah. to the sea. 
as we can yeah, see. They're now in Angel City. They're uh, not in Los Angeles anymore. Mm. No. Well, that's uh, the thing. So like the the ruins we see poking up out of the seawater is actually downtown LA. Yeah. So, but the interesting thing as well is in the movie in the movie adaptation of the video game Double Dragon, Los Angeles is also called Lost Angeles. So okay. I don't think it was an intentional lift, but eh, who knows? People don't have a lot of uh, high hopes for Los Angeles going forward. No, <laughs> no. It's going to fall into but, the ocean. Yeah, there's going to be an earthquake. and they're falling <laughs> the Well, they even say, like, later on in the film, they're like, uh, something about the Great Quake, ever since the Great Quake. Yeah. Um, anyhow, so he's... It's a big he's trope. Off. It is a good trope, and it's probably going to happen anyway. And Mayor yeah. James Keenan's dream will come true. Yeah, well, isn't that the uh, Bill Hicks? That was his joke, right? Wasn't yes. it? Or, yeah. Yeah, and then it was lifted for like that Tool song. And, That's uh, correct, yes. And there was also the... Uh, Third Eye was the name yes. of that Tool song. The Rancid, the Rancid song, um, Antennas, was also about that. Mm-hmm. Which was about California. Yeah, Arizona Bay, I think, is the name of it. The Bill Hicks bit or the James May... Or the, the, tool? Uh, the Bill Hicks bit is uh, Arizona Bay. That's what it's called. Uh, yeah interesting um um but yeah so then the police have to go find him though even though he's retired and i forget exactly why if somebody calls the chief and says you got to get this guy well i I think it's the council of three there are three people on this council and they want yes well now there's only two but they they want the only man who can track down who they know can get whistler and that's jack death and so he is brought forward by McNulty. Why is he the only man? Because he's like he's like Rick Deckard in, in Blade Runner. He's he's the guy. He's the best. Like they don't like his methods, but he is the best. He's he's, he's lost. You know, he doesn't care if he lives or dies. He's just gonna go for it. They don't have to worry about him. Uh, yeah. Hesitating. All right. Exactly. Because he's got nothing to live for. Because his wife is dead. Um, so anyway, and, they need him. Yeah. And so then he goes before the council of three, and which is now two, as you were saying. And it turns out that Whistler has traveled back to 1985 Los Angeles and is killing off their ancestors. The ancestors. And here's where we... Yeah, their ancestors. Yeah, sorry. And here's where we find out the method of time travel, which I think is unique for me. I don't know if I've seen this I've never else. seen it before or since. Um, I don't know how it would work, really, but it's kind of cool, the idea of it. Maybe I've seen it in something else. I'm trying no, to think. I, you can go into your ancestors' like body. Oh, uh, Assassin's Creed is the that's the main time travel device in Assassin's Creed, the video game series. Uh, okay. Okay. Well, inter- interesting, because Charles Bannon, like 15 years ago was saying like no one's ripped me that ripped that off for me yet, so I'm just gonna wait and see when it happens. And well, I, I know what you're doing with Yeah. They even think, made it into a movie with Michael Fassbender, so... I think Charles Band was just super excited that he did one thing original in his career. Um, <laughs> but yeah, anyway, so explain the, um, the method of time travel, I guess. Yes, so the unique twist is that you, a person can't go back in time, but they can send their consciousness back in time to one of their ancestors. And so luckily, I mean, so like they've tracked down the ancestors of two of the, uh, the council members. One runs a tanning, tanning salon, and the other person, all they have is a old baseball card from the, I think, was it the 63 LA, like Los Angeles Angels? Happy yeah, something like that. Or 
Yeah. Maybe not even the Angels. It could have been like the Pirates or something like that. But. It was the Angels. I went back and checked. Oh, okay. So it was a California. Yeah. yeah. Los Angeles team specifically. So, because yeah, Los Angeles, LA at the, that point had what, like, they had the Angels and the Dodgers by the 80s? By the 80s, yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, so they want to send Jack Death back and like his ancestors, Philip, Phil Death, who is a, uh, a reporter. Um, and so they see, they see that they've got the body of Whistler there. And it's like, well, why do you keep that alive? Well, it's like when you send him forward, we're going to give you these two injections that allow you to send your, your consciousness and Whistler's consciousness back into the future. But they've got Whistler's body. And Jack Death is like, why is his body around? And they're like, because we want to put him on trial publicly. They want to prosecute him, yeah. And then Jack Death is like, screw that, and just blows up his body. Yeah. And I like how the one guy is horrified, but the other councilwoman is like, Jack, you haven't changed a bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's because it's, it's kind of like that push-pull of like, we need someone who's willing to go above and beyond. And so he gets into this device, and they, some, even though they can't send a person back in time, they can send a small box of objects. So and also, box, yeah. yeah, I also like there we're introduced to um, the like basically the Q character. What's her name? The engineer Reigns, played by Aunt Rachel from uh, Family Matters. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, I've, I've written too many notes now and I can't even um, find it. Ruthie is her name. Yeah, Ruthie. Oh, Ruthie. Uh, and I like how they kind of establish her character. They're like, oh, uh, here's Dr. Reigns. And he's like, what? They promoted you, Ruthie? I wouldn't have expected that. So then you can tell that they've had a past together. Yeah, of some sort. And she even explains the uh, watch that she gives them, which is the, um, the long, the long second, second watch. Which I love. Which, that, which really it. comes in handy. This is a very important oh, yeah. device that she gives yeah. them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's um, like a Pluto Apple watch. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's uh, a cheap Casio. But yeah, it looks like a cheap digital watch. Well, it's like you just push a button, and and what's the concept of the long second, guys? Phil, it freezes time. For how long, though? Essentially. It doesn't freeze time. It extends one second to ten seconds. Although... Although it's way longer than 10 seconds. It's like at least 40 seconds. (laughs) I was counting the first time it happened, and like by the time... Tim Thomerson went to move. It was already like 11 seconds. Three minutes into the movie, yeah. <laughs> but uh, strangely, when she gives him this watch, Tim Thomerson's reply is, could have used that on our last date. And I'm not sure what he oh. means by that. Because she only lasts a second in bed, I guess? I don't know. <laughs> Tim Thomerson. Yeah, it seems to be what they were going for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then they send him back, and he wakes up shaving in the body of Phil Death, who has apparently just had a, what looks like a one night stand with a, with Lena, who is a young Helen Hunt. She really does look young in this. She must actually be like, what, 20? She was, 20. She was literally 20, yeah. Yeah, Jesus. No, no, she, she was 21, I think, when she, or 21 or 22. Still very... like, I looked her up on Wikipedia. She was born in 63, so she would have been like 20 or 21. At least. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So very young. So Tim uh, Thomerson was only is only seventeen years older than Helen Hunt. I would have guessed that he was like. Yeah, he looks like a solid. He looks so age. much he's, older. Yeah. He's yeah. our age, so that's the crazy thing. He looks. Yeah, like, which is. <laughs> he looks like Mickey Rourke in Sin City, basically. Like he looks grizzled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he hasn't lived the soft life we've had, apparently. Yeah. 
Um, and then, uh, and so basically he's like, doesn't remember her name. Is trying to figure everything out. And she's like, Oh my God, this guy I slept with last night is a total jerk and just wants to get out of there to go to work. And she's putting on, so I didn't realize this. This movie is actually a Christmas movie. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. A New Year's movie. And, yeah. And a New Year's movie. It's, it's very bizarre. I did not put that together at all. She even has like a, she has a line where she's like, did you mean what you said to me last night? And he's like, uh, yeah, sure. Whatever. And he's like, you said that making love to me was like the ethereal union of two lost souls. And he's like, yeah, yeah, lost souls, yeah. <laughs> so he's basically confirming, like, the assumptions. Like, okay, this guy's a dirtbag. Well, the oh, yeah, and he, he checks his drawer, and there's, like, photographs, like, Polaroids of, like, I don't know. His previous conquests. Yeah. yeah. Although we should point out that's not Jack Death. That's that's Phil, Phil Death, Death, his ancestor. Yes. Yeah. And even at his point says, Phil, you're just a dog. Like <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's super fun. Uh, or, uh, so he basically drives her to work, but he's like just so enthralled with the car. He's like, I love driving this car. And she's like, yeah, I can tell. Oh, this is the scene where, like, she, he's taken forever to leave the apartment, too. Yeah. And she's like, come on, you gotta, you gotta, let's go. And then he finally finds the hair gel. And then he puts, he puts the gel in his hair. And she's she, like, what are you doing? We should point like, out his dry like, hair is for squibs. Yeah. Yeah, dry hair is for squibs. Yeah, he, so in the future, he, like, slicks his hair back. And when he comes to the 80s, he has a very 80s, like, buoyant, dry head of hair that he then covers in yeah. hair gel and slicks it all back. And, like, even when he starts getting dressed, he's getting dressed like a 1940s detective. Like, he's got the high-waisted pants, a skinny tie, and a trench coat. And she's like, you're dressed and you're wearing that? And he's like, yeah. And then uh, he goes to drop her off at work, which is at a mall. And she is actually the photographer at a Santa Claus, a mall Santa Claus, where she's, like, dressed like an elf. And so she shows up late, but it turns out that dun-dun-dun. It's like Christmas Eve this movie is set on, by the way. That's true. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. yeah. Uh Santa Claus is a trancer and yeah. attacks Tim Thomas. A squib, apparently. <laughs> a squib. Well, yeah, he, he, he explained, yeah, he explains to Helen Hunt later on that, like, only, only people who are squibs, like, weak-minded can become trancers. So, Lame people, basically. Losers. Yeah, yeah those darn squibs. I'm going to start calling <laughs> people I don't like squib. Friggin' squib. Yeah. <laughs> Um, where do we go from there, Phil? So, yeah, um, Santa is revealed to be a trancer. Like, he has his eyes dead set on, uh, Tim Thomerson, and he's, he goes in for the attack, and, like, at some point, he's, he has Tim Thomerson impaled on a set of antlers. Yeah, he has him trapped. But, uh, Helen Hunt, uh, am I confusing scenes now? Yeah, what happens is, so then, like, this, uh, this, cop comes along um mall cop or something who has a gun um oh, and he's right, yes. santa and him are wrestling for the gun and he's shooting back and forth and he's just missing tim thomerson and then tim finally cries away the antlers and he's able to basically dust off santa i guess right yeah, in front of the kids. the kids are just like looking <laughs> they're just got like whoa yeah i got a vibe this might have been an homage from uh from uh from uh, rabid the original one from 1970 77 mm -hmm. where they shoot them all Santa another Christmas movie. Yeah. All these Christmas movies. Montreal um, Christmas. Yeah. And so then basically he, he takes Helen Hunt in the car. Like he takes her almost at gunpoint uh, into the car and explains what's going on. And so they go to 
what what is it? It's Coanga Boulevard, but how does he pronounce it? Like Colorado or something like? Yeah, like she she calls him out on like the pronunciation. Like you don't know how to pronounce Coanga Boulevard. You said that you've grown up in Los Angeles, but you don't. And know yeah, like he he goes into his spiel, and uh, it doesn't take long for her to be convinced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, sort of. Because she's like, you, like, you're telling me you're from the future? Yeah. He's like, yeah, it's she like, you know. pretty well, all things considered, even though she doesn't believe what she, you know, it being a 76-minute movie. I, I like the pace of this movie. It never kind of sat down for too long, right? That's no. the genius of, because all the Transfers movies are basically 75 minutes long, and that's like, they're saving grace, because it's like, that's, you got to keep going forward. You can't rest too long in a scene. Like, even when we get to a love scene, you're like, oh, all right, we got to establish that. But it doesn't stay there too long. It moves. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. And um, so they go to the tanning salon where one of the uh, council members, the Council of Three's ancestor is, but he's already become a trancer. So, like, Jack Death goes in, and he leaves Helen Hunt in the car, or Lena. It's because he left the photograph at the mall. That's why. That's how oh, the... Uh... Right. That's how, they, that, how the trancers know. Right. So he had a photograph of one council person's ancestor and he had the the baseball card of the other yeah and so he leaves um he dropped the photo at the at the the mall mall. he remembered the address like he knew where to go but he he left the photograph and that's where detective um what's his name weisling in this one like right i think it's a weisling yeah something like that so so we should point out that whistler the main villain has jumped into the body of his ancestor Risling, the los angeles chief of police or he's a lead detective. I don't know if he's the chief. Of or is he police. a lieutenant? Maybe he's something. He's not. He's above detective. He's, he's a, a higher up. I got the impression more like a lieutenant. Yeah. Yeah. And and apparently he's turned the entire police force into trancers. They're all squibs. This is yeah. this movie reveals that police officers are squibs, by and large. All yeah. cops are squibs. <laughs> <laughs> that is not the official position of the Death by Video podcast. Uh, but anyway, so Jack Death goes to the tanning salon, and at first you think like, oh, this is kind of crazy, and like the guy working there is like, oh yeah, I, I guess you're a cop, and I should trust you, but uh, yeah, we'll go, we'll talk it out, we'll talk in the back, and then it turns out he's a trancer and locks him in this weird tanning booth. Like a futuristic tanning booth that he turns yeah. all the way up, yeah. But yeah. Helen Hunt drove away because she's like, screw this, I'm getting out of here, but then she had a change of heart, turns around, comes back. Uh, how does the trancer die? Because that's something that, does he just, because the next thing I, I remember is that Helen Hunt just finds him on the ground. Or was it just the, oh, oh, he shoots himself. Oh, basically, right. Basically, because he needs to, so he, he's tranced, so he takes a gun and he shoots himself in the head. Right, because he needs to die to kill off another. He's an ancestor, yeah. Ancestor. And this triggers McNulty in the future being sent, although we learned it a little later, sent back into a very surprising uh, ancestor. <laughs> Yeah, that was weird. That was a very awkward scene. Yeah. Um, so Helen Hunt comes back. Yeah, and the the tanning salon guy, he's wedged a surfboard in the door, keeping Jack Death in. Helen Hunt knocks it out of the way, takes Jack Death out, and then they realize, like, oh, the police know where they are. They got to ditch the car. They got to like you know hide out. And she knows where a, a friend of hers is, where she can where they can hide out for the night. And it's in Chinatown in L.A., which is also apparently the epicenter of punk rock in Los Angeles. Yeah, apparently. Of course. We get a lot of punk exploitation uh, in this. And by the way, I kind of like their version of uh, Jingle Bells. Jingle Bells? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
that's quality Christmas punk. Yeah. Right before um, we uh, logged on, I um, I have an illegal PDF of uh, the now out of print destroy all movies. Yeah. And unfortunately, the two pages that are missing are like the entry on transcripts. Oh um, no. I was hoping to read that, and, you know, share it for the podcast. But of course, that was like the page that was missing in that PDF. No, oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. I would have loved to know their take on it. Oh, for it, sure. It actually was a pretty good punk scene, I gotta say. Oh, yeah. Because um, usually, like, most movies from this era, like, they're so hackneyed. But, like, wow, this is like, okay. It sounded like a real punk band, for one thing. It wasn't Ooh, like yeah. TV punk, which is like... Or like in the episode of Chips that dealt with punk rock, where it was like just ridiculous, like people banging on pots and pans. <laughs> and even the punk fashions and the hairstyles are yeah, pretty spot on. I get it? Helen Hunt is, I guess, is supposed to be punk as well, but she looks more new wave, I guess. Yeah, she's, she's got the streak blue. of blue. She got the blue streak in her. Yeah. Which does she and later on it's pink? Pink, yeah. She changed it to a pink streak. All right. Anyway, yeah, we had that weird moment before where uh, when she was setting up the little boy in Santa's lap, he's like, "Why is your hair blue?" And she, you know, thinking quick, she's like, "Oh, because it's cold up north." Because I guess it could get her fired that she has blue hair. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think she was just trying to like maintain the fact, like uh, the uh, the fiction. Yes, maintain the oh. character of the Christmas elf. We also missed the fact that she has a very unfortunate jean jacket that uh, actually has oh, the, yeah, oh, the Confederate flag on the back of it. <laughs> but we it was told, the 80s. By the way, we totally missed the uh, the long second. So when they go oh, out nice. the back, the, when they go out the back of the um, of the tanning salon. Okay, so we're well, we're back with the jacket now. Then, yeah. so she's wearing a jacket that has the rebel flag on it. It's the 80s, whatever. Uh, they flee the tanning salon, but the cops are there. Mm-hmm. And what's his face is? He's got him dead to rights. Yeah. yeah. And so they're gonna they're gonna shoot them both and kill them both off. But Jack Death hits the button. It's his long second device on his uh, wristwatch, and it's which you can only use once, and then it dissolves or whatever. That's the rule. Doesn't work anymore. Yeah. But it, so then uh, we've got like some proto John Woo slow mo bullet action happening. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like even like. Slowing a second down to ten seconds would probably be like that bullet's going to move pretty fast, but yeah, oh, bullet sure. moved at like two hundred <laughs> miles per hour, so it won't slow it down that much. But it was it was cool. I actually like the way they did this because it just kind of was like I'm just going to get out of like get the girl and get out of here and get into the car and drive away. He, and so he does, I would say, have enough time to stab what's his face in the neck. I was going to say like just shoot him in the <laughs> face. Be done. He definitely has enough time to do that. He doesn't. Uh, she even asks him about it later. She's like, the first thing she asks him is, you were, you were using the device, how come you didn't do that? And he's like, because I would have lost you. Yeah. I didn't quite say that. But but basically, yeah, like he's falling for her because she's like plucky and, and gets with the program pretty quickly. But um, I'm saying he could have saved her and also stabbed the guy, but then we would have had a much shorter movie. So. Yeah. yeah. Would have been 10 minutes as opposed to... Already <laughs> shorter, yeah. <laughs> so... Because even, like, he stops at him and he stares at him for, like, a second. Anyway. Yeah. So we go to – this is where he, they go to their apart, uh, her friend's apartment in Chinatown. They had to ditch the car. She has to, like, take the blue streak out of her hair. And he's up in the room watching Peter Gunn on TV. And she brings back food. And he's like – she's like, I've got beef ribs. And he's like, beef? Like, from a cow? 
And she's like, yeah. <laughs> so I guess it's it's kind of like a Blade Runner future where all animal life is dead. Because remember, even when they were talking about coffee, it's like the when he asked real for coffee, coffee and consumed, yeah. like real coffee that would cost you. He's like, oh, I deserved it. And gave me some and with some milk. None of that soy crap. So they're doing that, and the music starts up downstairs, and he's like, what is that? And she's like, it's punk music. And he's like, well, when does it stop? And she's like, around 2 a.m. And so... I think she's like 3 or 4, even. 3 or 4, yeah. probably like that. And so yeah. they decide to go down and... In, but he's uh, listening to a police scanner as well. Like he's Right. She buys him a police scanner that he can listen to in his ear. And so they go down into the punk club, and there is a band playing the most awesome version of Jingle Bells you will ever hear. And uh, what happens then, guys? Uh, the ex-boy, Helen Hunt's ex-boyfriend shows up. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and is demanding, I guess, his records back or something like that. I think tapes? Oh, yeah, tapes. She's yeah. got his killer tapes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so she basically gets Tim Thomerson to attempt to, like, dance to punk music. Well, yeah. yeah, he kind of, uh, he helps uh, this situation up. Like, yeah, he oh, yeah. needs like full square here. Yeah. Well, he punches, he punches out um, that guy. And then three other punks confront him. Were they transfers? No, they were not. No, they because uh, What's-His-Face doesn't know where he is, right? So they're just angry punks. That... Well, the ex-boyfriend was asking for it because he spits in his face. He oh, does spit in his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We forgot yeah. about that. Calls an old man. He's like, oh, he's the old man. He's got a hearing aid. He was. He is a pretty old man for that club. He's our age. He's not that old. <laughs> Thirty-eight going on fifty-nine. Yeah. He looks grizzled in this one. He yeah, looks like forty-eight. By the way, I'm not thirty-eight years old. Just so people know. Yeah. Well, some of us are, Graham. I'm clinging to every bit of youth that we have. Um, <laughs> You well, Kate. You look a lot younger than Tim Thomerson. All right. Was that your response? <laughs> um, <laughs> Good to know. Um, and so from there, they they do a little bit more dancing, but then they go up to the um, to the the. Apartment. Well, they beat up all the other punks that yeah. rise up against them. Yeah. All oh, right, and then they leave. Then they leave. Time to go, and then they just uh, they hijack some bikes. The bikes that are out front. Don't they go back upstairs? Oh yeah, they do go back upstairs for some lovemaking. Because this is when the love occurs, and or not in Jack Death's case. So he's up. Oh no, yeah, he keeps on getting cheated. So he gets up there, and then there's a bang at the door, and it's a little girl, and then he's like, "What's going on?" And and she's and the little girl's like, "It's me, McNulty. McNulty." And he's just like, "Oh my god!" And he's like, "Yeah, this is the only body they could. Find. This is the only ancestor they could find." I just had That's to see so that weird. my parents. Yeah. And somebody picks her up and, and like she's like kicking and hitting him like put me down, <laughs> <laughs> which I had a good laugh at scene. So basically, um, uh, McNulty wants him to come back right now, and they're going to send someone else to go in and finish it because they don't trust him. And he's well, like, one of uh, I think he informs McNulty that uh, one of the council members are faded that he needs yeah. to come back, and he explains like they got to him first. He was a trancer. Um, and he kicks out McNulty, and then him and Helen Hunt settle in for a night of love making on Christmas. Oh no, she does, she wishes him a Merry Christmas because it's after midnight. Well, I like uh, also before he kicks out the uh, little girl McNulty. Uh, 
she does or she he does uh take some time to like admire his like, hey you got a bird with you eh? jack <laughs> it's <a> very weird <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, yeah, it's just a very chauvinistic uh, talk. Yeah, from a little girl. Anachronistically chauvinistic, even. Yeah, back in the, in, it was from in the, like the 24th century. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but he locks the door behind the uh, little girl, but little girl McNulty has ways and tricks of getting in that apartment, apparently. Yeah, and apparently, just as Jack Death and Helen Hunt are going to consummate the relationship, uh, McNulty hits him with the uh, the what's it called serum or antidote that brings, yeah. the, brings the conscious back into the future. Um, and, or up the line as they call it. And at that point, McNulty, um, not McNulty. Who is it? Oh, oh at that yeah, point, yeah. They, 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 he has a talk with the last remaining council person and basically says, I need to be the person that does this. Yeah. This brought up a few questions for me before we move on though. Yeah. Uh, one I suppose gets answered is that, so he leaves the body of uh, Phil death, um, who is then like sort of his, his, they explain that the mind goes on pause. Like where does Phil yeah. go? His mind is on pause. So I guess it go, gets unpaused and he's right in the middle of having sex with Lena. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, I feel like this is where I left off. And I guess he just goes with it. Phil's a dog, so not you, Phil, <laughs> but Phil death is a dog. So that obviously <laughs> explains how this all happens. Right. But uh, the chief follows uh, Jack death out almost immediately, which means that the little girl is what, just outside the apartment <laughs> 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 just comes to in like some weird, like above in a pump Chinatown. Pump. Yeah. <laughs> How did I get here? Yeah. <laughs> they don't quite explain that, but oh well. 75 minutes, Kit. 75 <laughs> minutes. Okay. Um, by the way, in Transfers 2, McNulty has to travel back in time again, but now he's a teenage <laughs> teenage girl. <laughs> and like at the start of the movie, when he's set like to go back, he's like, you can't find anyone else? Like, you don't understand. I go back as a girl. I'm not a girl. Like, it's very... It's very bizarre. Um, I'm glad they keep up that storyline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she's like... It was such a hit in the first movie. Though. Yeah, the 15-year-old version of McNulty, a 15-year-old girl version of McNulty is like smoking cigars and like drinking whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. Um, so they, he, Jack Death convinces, um, convinces the council person to send him back again. And says, like, okay, the guy, like, we believe he's on Skid Row, is what he learns. So he goes back. It's kind of like, uh, it's also, that's, that's kind of like the scenes in uh, 12 Monkeys, where, like, Bruce Willis goes back to the future, and they give him some more information, and then he goes back again. No, actually, oh, yeah. what happens, no, actually, Graham, what happens is they want to take him off. They've got some other uh, person that they want to put on. And um, uh, basically, oh, so right. part of the reasoning is that Helen Hunt, like, you're just you're just sleeping with girls back yeah. here. Like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. And, and he convinces them. He lies. He says, that girl is my key. She knows where Hap Ashby is. It's important. I got to go back. He's lying. He's making this up. Um, right. so, I'm totally getting it wrong. I'm yeah, so he goes back, and then he's in her arms, and he's like, all right, finally. And But she's already asleep. She's like, oh, can you turn off the light or whatever? And he's like, oh, damn, Phil got lucky again, and I didn't. <laughs> um, so he turns on the TV angrily looking for some more um, detective gun. Or what? what is it? Peter, yeah. Peter, Peter Gunn. Peter Gunn, yeah. And instead he finds the Iconic news. Team. He finds the news, and on the news, um, the detective, uh, Risling or whatever, 
he's saying, oh, we're cracking down on Skid Row. We're going to make sure we ID everybody in Skid Row to keep the people safe. And right. from that, um, our, our hero gleans that, oh, he must have figured out that uh, Hap Ashby is on Skid Row. Yeah. And so uh, Tim Thomerson and Helen Hunt go, basically, this is where they steal the scooters. and They, they steal and, some bikes. Yeah. And then they take off to go to... Um, scooters that do not go, they go to like maybe 80. Yeah. Yeah. They take the scooters, but those scooters, they're not, they're not motorcycles. They're literally like, you know, knockoff no. Vespas that can't go that fast. I think the mo- fastest they can go is like maybe 60 kilometers an hour. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. So they ride down to Skid Row, Row and they start looking for bums. Oh, and this is where they have that interesting scene with the wise men. Yeah, the, yeah, three, the, the three, three kings, yes. The three kings, we three kings of Orient are. Yeah. Phil, tell us about that scene. They're... Uh, I don't remember this scene very well. Well... Like, the information that they're trying to get, that they get from their lives. Well, they're just... Basically, they're showing them uh, pictures of the baseball card. Uh, and they approach these men, and you get the sense that um, Helen Hunt's like, I can't talk to any more of these people. They're all out of it. So we get the sense that they've been doing this for a couple of hours, and he's like, this is what police work is. You gotta just interview everybody. Yeah. yeah. And then they approach these three guys. I figured one of them was gonna turn out to be Hap Ashby. But no, uh, no they, they just want some money or some, like they keep on, they stick in character. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you're the angel. Uh, so he's like, they kind of go with it and like, oh, I'm just, um, do you have any gold or silver to give us for this information? Uh, knowledge, I seek knowledge is what they, uh, they yeah. do. And so they show him the baseball card and that's like, oh, that's old, um, what do they call him? Low ball? High ball. High ball. It's high ball. Um, and I guess they kind of tell him that he's around the area. Well, he's in a building. He's in a yes, that's an old right. factory. Mm-hmm. And so I think she gives him some food as opposed to that. She's like, oh, I got frankincense and myrrh. And, and so they take off. They thank the three wise men who are, you know, hobos. By the way, I love the fact that, like, you know, in, in a major city, you deal with, you know, the homeless on a pretty regular basis. And you realize a lot of them have uh, psychological issues or they have drug dependency issues, like they're self-medicating. Yeah. Whereas at this point in movies, like homeless people are all like fake hobos who are like cheerful like drunks. Cheerful, cheerful. Yeah. Like I just like drinking my basically like lying on the street. Like tramps, like a like a railway tramps, basically just living in the yeah. city. Yeah, but even the railway tramps were real as they are. It's just no, like, I know. I love how I'm like homeless saying people. That- and when they do find Hap Ashby, he's like playing a game of baseball. <laughs> like, yeah, with, with bottles. Yeah. Yeah. Bottles and pipes for bats. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway, they get, a, uh, they get some news on the uh, radio. He's still got that in his ear that um, they're sending out a, a detail of this warehouse. And they're like, oh, they know that he's at the warehouse. So they mm-hmm. hustle their tails, their uh, scooters over there. Yeah. And uh, so they're searching through the warehouse and there's two cops that come across Jack Death and he has to like, he finds this like old shipping container that someone's using as like a makeshift like uh, shelter. And so while he's like looking inside to see like clues of like where Hap Ashby is, uh, they come upon him and he basically puts on a hat and like pulls the blanket up and pretends to be a drunk. And he's like, if you come near me, I'm gonna puke. And... (laughs) It's, it doesn't seem very convincing, but the cops are convinced. The cops are like, I don't want to get puke on my shoes. So, <laughs> he um, said he's not the guy. Let's move on. 
So they do, but then... Oh, he made the he, mistake. He's, just, he's like, get the light out of my eyes, trooper. Yeah, and then as the cops are walking around, it's like, hey, what did Whistler say? This guy, Jack Death, used to be a trooper. We better go back. And then it turns out, that, and then... Uh, he's taken off. By this yeah, he's taken off. And him and Helen Hunt are, like, running along, uh, like... Oh, no, he's kept her outside. He told her to stay. He's like, we had this whole moment. Oh, no, no, that happens a little later. Never mind. Yeah. Because they crash through the floor, don't they? That's right, yeah. They they split up looking for him. Then they have that little moment where they they kiss. Yeah. She's like, come here and kiss me. And he's like, I'm busy. And she's like, yeah, just come here. And then they fall through the floor for some reason. It's weird. Don't they get shot at and then they fall through the floor? No, that happens later. They're shooting at. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. So they fall through the floor right into this the the hobo baseball game, and that's where they meet Hap Ashby. Yeah, Ashby's really falling off. Yeah. Yep. So he's just like you know loves being a wino, and they're like you got to come. He's a washed up baseball player. Yeah. But according to the uh, the science of the movie, he will still um, father a child that will one day be the ancestor of this council person. So yeah. that hasn't happened for him yet. So he's going to get his life together a little. Yeah, no, we see we see that in the sequel. Yeah. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, basically, they kind of they split up. Jack Death takes um, Hap with him, and the police show up. Now, how do we get out of this situation, guys? I can't really recall. They split up on the scooters. Well, they get outside. The police are after them. And they manage to escape by Jack Death shoots a couple of Oh, no. There, there is a – we forgot one part where he uh, – so initially he does like he wants to keep her outside. It's a little dangerous. And right. he gets cornered by one of the right. cops. Right. You're right, Phil. Sorry. I was wrong. Yeah, and he gets cornered by one of the away. cops. Yeah. And he has to th- take off his watch because the cop's like, because he gets another watch. He commissions another watch yeah. when he goes back to the future, yeah, when he goes up the line. line. Another long second back, yeah. Um, and uh, so they get him watch that stuff on the floor. Yeah. And then Helen Hunt sneaks up behind the cop because he tries to convince the cop. He's like, hey, man, he's Can't just trying to confuse you. Look mm-hmm. at your skin, man. He's got you. Yeah. The cop won't buy it. So uh, Helen Hunt sneaks up behind him and shoots him in the back, kills him. She's traumatized for a second, but, but then, uh, but then he say, like singes. So it's like yeah, he singes or he, he whatever, yeah. whatever it's called. And he that's when we it. get the that's when we get the kiss me line. And then you realize that she has both the watch and the gun. And then they find Hap. So now they're on the scooters and they escape on the scooters and they split up. And they also find out that Hap has like twenty watches on his wrist. Well, yeah, then we find that out a little later. Yeah, oh, okay. because that's back uh, the apartment. Because they're escaping, uh, and he's trying to get away, and the cops are right on his tail, and he's, he's like, oh, it's time for a long second, and he goes for his watch, and it's not there. Not there yet. So he has to find another uh, method of escape, because as we find out later, mm-hmm. old Hap has somehow uh, lifted it off. No, watch thief. Yeah, he's got like 16 watches <laughs> on his arm. Um, and then we, we see the what I, I like to call the Repo Man bridge, because it, it was first really used in Repo Man that the... Uh, the the cops follow Jack Death across the um, whatchamacallit, across the bridge, and then they ride the scooter with Hap on the back. Down By the way, Hap's drinking the spirits. entire time. Yeah, I love that. Just, just down in like bottles of uh, whiskey. Yeah. And he they ride down the steps with Hap on the back, and then eventually they get to the, the apartment in Chinatown. 
Lena might, meanwhile, we get to see a bit of her get away. She does get shot in the arm, but yeah, otherwise unharmed. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like it looks like a minor flesh wound almost. Like she seems pretty unfazed, all things considered. Yeah. Yeah. Still, though, it sucks. Yeah. So we're back at the apartment, and then what happens there? Uh, Jack comes in, and uh, Lena is cleaning up her wounds. Uh, and he's like, oh, you know, he, at first he kind of takes over. He's like, I know it stings a bit, but, you know, it gets better. It's not too bad. And then he thinks about his dead wife, and we have this kind of tender moment where he's like, you know what? I don't want to lose you. I lost her. And she's like, you love me, don't you? And he's like, that's not what I said. And we get that kind of cute moment. Um, and then they have to deal with um, – Half Ashby, who's busy making himself a sandwich, but he stinks because he's a hobo. Yeah. And they basically force him to have a shower. They force him into the bath. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and meanwhile, he still has like a tall can, like he's drinking out of while yeah. in the bath. And he refuses and to take his hat off. Yeah. They just. This is one of those scenes where, where uh, Biff Mannard was legitimately drunk. So. <laughs> I can believe that. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, I believe it. Mm hmm. Probably in that hat too. They, he probably refused to bathe as well. His hat, by the way, is a like a vintage farmer's hat, but it's like a 1984 Olympics hat. I noticed, which, which would have happened the previous year, yeah, in Los which, Angeles. Uh, that wasn't Calgary, was it? No, no, no. That that was that was Calgary Los was Angeles. Olympics? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Los Angeles was yeah. was 84. That's the one that the Russians didn't go to, and McDonald's lost like tons of money on a giveaway. That any, every time America won a gold medal. You would there'd be like a free Big Mac or something, or was that Burger King? There's some company that like was like every time America wins, you get a free something with the, a free burger with this uh, this, <laughs> this thing. And the Russians pulled out; they didn't go that that to that Olympics, and so America was just killing it. And I think it, uh, it almost bankrupted McDonald's. <laughs> um, that's a little bit, see, that's a downside of America winning. Yeah, everybody loses when America wins. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so then from there they launch a plan where they're going to draw out Whistler as bait right? Yeah he does this pretty quick he's all like he just phones up uh, the, the police department he gets detective he's like tell him it's death phone. he'll know what it means yeah tell him it's death yeah that's right there's a lot of good lines in, in this movie I wrote some of them down um mm -hmm. Uh, and then he gets him on the phone with uh, Helen Hunt kind of overhearing, and he's like, oh, you know what? I just want to be with my girl. You can have Hap Ashby take the City of Angels. I don't want it. I just want to live here with my girl. But it's a trick. And ha and, uh, and Lena is like, no, Jack, you can't. Yeah. And, then, and then he hangs up the phone, and it turns out it's been a charade. And, um, and Jack Death is doing it like to use himself as basically as bait. I don't know why you have to go through with the charade. Wouldn't it just be like, come get me, I'm here. I guess so they come unarmed, like what's... Well, no, 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 the whole thing, the whole point of it is that they're thinking... Oh, like Risling won't come himself or something? No, of course not. Well, the whole idea as well is that like, they're thinking is that like, they want, uh, like the, the girl is the thing that Jack Death kill, cares about and Whistler just wants to hurt Jack Death any way he can. And so... As she's spying on Jack Death, who's down on the down on the uh, on the street, up on top of a building, Whistler comes up behind her. But then Jack Death emerges and says, "Oh no!" He shoots at he shoots at Whistler, or he shoots at Jack Death down on the street. He fires actually... five shots, but then Jack Death emerges and he says, "Like that was five, six shots, Whistler." 
there's no bullets left. And Helen Hunt's like, no, no, that was only five. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, but their plan is to basically set up the ancestor that they're trying to protect as the decoy that gets shot at those five times, by the way. But the whole thing, but Jack Death knows that like he can take out, he knows he can take out Whistler. Him and, and <laughs> okay. Whistler. It just seems like a pretty uh, flimsy plan, but who am I to judge? I'm no uh, trooper. You're no Charles Band. Um, yeah. And uh, and basically there's like a, a Heath, uh, Whistler and him come to a standoff and Whistler throws Helen Hunt over the side of the building. And this is where Jack Death uses his, watch. his yeah, the watch to, uh, to whatchamacallit, to, to slow down time so he can run down all the way down the building to catch Helen Hunt before she hits the ground. In 10 seconds. Which is not possible, but hey, the movie makes it work. Yeah. They should have just said it slows down one second to that of 30 seconds, and it would have been fine. Yeah. yeah. But um, so at this point, Hap has jumped into a dumpster where apparently there's still booze. Because we see him in slow motion chugging his bottle of whiskey. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's vodka. Savoring the moment. And at this point, Whistler starts firing down at Jack Death, but Hap starts pitching whiskey bottles and rocks at Whistler and eventually like, knocks him off the, the building. And he falls into, into a fountain. A fountain, so he survives. And Jack Death is like, Opens up the, like, grabs Whistler, and he's like, now I got you. And he opens up, so we forgot to mention, in the handle of the gun that is sent back in time for Jack Death to use. His, his replica era gun, like, it's supposed to look like a gun that would be used. Oh, the, yeah. So it's a, they have what, what's called the antidote, which brings, which we discussed earlier, brings both of them back to, the, to their bodies in the future. And Jack Death tells him, like, I destroyed your body in the future, so there's nothing for you to return to. When I stick you with this serum, you're just going to be gone. But he opens up the handle to find out that the two vials, one has been broken. And so he's, one. so he's only got one. So Jack Death is going to shoot Whistler. But Whistler says, like, you wouldn't kill me. Reisling is an innocent man. He's got six children. And you're like, good God, man. Like, you're, you really shouldn't have that many children. That's, that's kind yeah. of responsible. Um, so Jack Death decides, like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to send you back. And so he, like, sticks him with the serum. And he decides to live the rest of his life in Los Angeles with Helen Hunt. Which makes sense to me. I mean, why? Yeah, seriously, yeah. why not? Like, so, and that's transfers. Oh, but we do find right before the credits drop. Yeah. Um, that little girl McNulty is on the scene. She's yeah. there. Oh, right. She's still watching. So he can be brought back still. And Detective is very confused when he's, you know, when Whistler leaves, leaves the, body. the body. He's like, what am I doing here? Yeah. 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 Also, the ethics of this, like, he's just going to stay in Phil's body? That's kind of, like, unfair to Phil. Well, Phil didn't seem like such a yeah. guy to begin with. Well, I guess so, but it still seems unfair. <laughs> yeah. No, but they, well, they actually explain that, um, don't Phil's they also, a jerk. no, but doesn't, doesn't he also learn that he is his own ancestor? Yes, yeah. well, we learned that Helen Hunt might be his great, um, we learned when, um, uh, Risling has her by the, he's got oh, a knife. Oh, right, if I kill her... He says, that's it. She's your ancestor too. So kind of in a strange way, when he's staying in Phil's body to sleep with Helen Hunt, he's looking forward to sleeping with his great, great grandmother. Yeah, but he, but not at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and that was transfers. And I gotta say, I really dug the heck out of this movie. I thought it was really, really fun. I really enjoyed it guys. What are your, uh, what are your final thoughts on transfers? 
this movie was a blast. Like I, I, I was expecting to enjoy it, but I wasn't expecting to enjoy it as much as I did. Agreed. Like, yeah. It's super economical. Um, does not waste a second. Like the movie is just a breeze to get through. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. The humor is great. Uh, uh, really good set pieces. The the neon visual aesthetics great. The the goofy dialogue. Uh, it, it just has the right tone. It's, yeah, just just a just a real uh, little gem of a movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, we yeah, forgot well, uh, we forgot a little scene here. Actually, when Helen Hunt's getting away, she's she's riding the scooter. She's got a pursuer right behind her. Um, and oh then my it, god! It, 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 it cuts to this old man doing his Christmas tree. Just I guess in his living room. Yes, into an alleyway like some scuzzy back alley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey man, that was urban living in the in the mid twentieth century. He's just like this oh. old man. He looks like a professor. He's got like a pipe and like a little cardigan sweater on and stuff. And he's he's yeah. doing a Christmas tree on Christmas Eve. And his window opens up to a d- dirty back alley, like you were saying. Yeah, and uh, Helen Hunt she rides through the window on her scooter, just like right through the window. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she's like, "Oh, can you just open the door for me, please?" And he's like, "All right." Yeah. And then as she's leaving, she says, "Merry Christmas." Mm-hmm. And and that's that that little weird scene, but it's just kind of that kind of weird humor that's throughout the film that makes it fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. And the, and the interesting thing as well is like something like that could have easily been cut out, but I'm so glad that it's in there because that that's what gives the movie personality. Yeah, but but there but there's so many scenes like that exactly that they managed to fit into this freaking 73 minute movie, not counting credits. <laughs> Yeah. No, it's it's it's, it's economic. Like sixty-seven minutes if you take out the opening credits. Oh God, let's let's. Yeah, no, it's it's just fast and furious, and I mean it's not fast and furious because it actually moves at a, a pretty decent pace. Like you're never like, what's yeah. going on? So it's it's very yeah. I mean it, it's just a fun film. It's it's a true B movie. Yeah. Yeah, like the 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 good kind, the fun to watch kind. I, I also mm. enjoyed it. Um, by the way, the the line that um. Jack gives to Helen Hunt after she shoots the cop in the back. Yeah. Says, Calm her down. He says, uh, cheer up. You just singed your first uh, trancer. You know, nice. like kind of an interesting bit of dialogue. But that movie is filled with little lines like that. And you said you had a bunch written down? Yeah, not as many as I thought. They're cool. kind of hard to find. I, I really, I don't know if you can see that. You can't. Yeah, your uh, notes. Certainly the listeners can't uh, see it. Yeah, go through your notes. Uh, no, no, uh, it, a bit too, uh, like, we just got, like, stats written down, and, um, oh, just, um, I, I like how that, uh, this is one of those movies where they just imagine that the shoulder pads are just gonna get more epic, just, like, the futuristic fashion is just, like, really pointy shoulder, uh, armored shoulder right. pads, yeah. Um, but no, I really liked it, it was fun. Cool. And you say, tra- well, you didn't really get into Trancers 2, um. So, Trancers 2 came out six years later in 1991, and. Why, why the that- gap? Um, okay, so let me bring up my notes here, and I'll, I'll discuss it. So I think you alluded to this in the Reanimator episode, right? It had to do with Paramount. Uh, to do with Paramount? No, that that was something else entirely. Well, I mean, it's part of it, but it's something else. So I was talking about how the company became so successful, but by 1988, it was having severe financial troubles despite the successful box office of its films. Basically, he expanded way too too big, way too fast. And uh, it, he actually got into trouble with the, uh, the Credit uh, Lyonnais Bank in France. 
and the bank seized Empire Pictures and had this film company called Epic Pictures oh, to finish it off. But the thing is, that year, Charles Band founded the company Full Moon Productions the same year and just picked up right where it left <laughs> off. And, to, and so to this is when he started cranking out a ton of Ghoulies movies. This is when, so he, and like it was focusing on not as much theatrical, but more direct to video, even though I do think Trancers 2 did play in some theaters. So in... Um, Critters in, movies also attached to the Ghoulies? Critters? No. No, no, no. No. I thought no. they were attached to Ghoulies somehow. No, there's no Ghoulies versus Critters. So with Full Moon, they basically needed an influx of cash pretty quickly. So they were like, well, what if we do another Transfers movie? Because around 1988 is also when they did the uh, the short Transfers film, Lost City of Angels, or City of Lost Angels, a.k.a. Transfers 1.5. And so everyone was game, and everybody came back. Uh, the Engineer comes back. McNulty comes back. Uh, Jack Death comes Detective? back. Hap, Hap Ashby. So here's how they explain... So Jack Death and Lena are living in a guest house on Hap Ashby's property. Now, stay with me. Apparently, Hap Ashby wasn't homeless because he lost all of his money. He was homeless because he was a boozer. <laughs> he, he has he lost. He, he has tons of money. He just spent it all. He just like just is so drunk. He does he doesn't know how to get home. <laughs> so he was he was homeless for decades because of his alcohol so he's living in this big mansion and they keep him sober and so like he's you know got a huge mansion full of all of his like sports memorabilia and so they're basically keeping him alive until they're not keeping him alive but they're basically like protecting hap until he meets the woman that will eventually bear his ch- children which has not happened in six years and lena she wants to move out she wants um them, her and Jack Death to get their own house. They're married. She's his wife. But in the future, McNulty learns that Whistler had a brother. Oh, no. Ed Whistler. And mm. around this time in Los Angeles in 1991, there is this weird uh, psychological society, which is very thinly meant to be Scientology. Mm. Um, so they basically like change transfers into... Uh, a type of Scientology movement that Richard and Richard Lynch plays his brother, Richard Lynch from the premonition, which we watched way back when also oh, yeah. he was the bad guy in, um, in uh, uh, Cobra. No, not Cobra. No. Um, Invasion USA. Invasion USA. Okay. Yeah. The, uh, the, the Charles Bronson movie, not Charles Bronson. Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris. I'm getting everything wrong now. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it's he 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 is basically Whistler's brother, and he's running this organization. Also, uh, who else shows up in this movie? Um, Jeffrey Combs from Reanimator shows up as one of the operatives of, the, of uh, they call it like Green Organization or the Green Team or something. Um, Barbara Crampton shows up for a scene as well. Nice. She's also doing a lot of these uh, Full Moon Empire Pictures films. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of cool how they bring in those people um, who came along just after Trancers. And the whole thing is that, so, but there was another Trancer Hunter sent back six months ago, six months ago in 1991, that has fallen into the hands of this society. So what they do is they basically take people who are in mental asylums and have a rehab program where they put them to work as environmentalists to save the environment. But what they're really doing 
is mass producing this drug that's like future. Uh, Jack Death calls it future crack, and it's way worse than heroin. <laughs> oh no, that sounds dangerous. But so they could send seeds back in time. So this whole green movement using as so the whole idea is like the weak-minded, so the people who are who have squibs basically but the mentally handicapped yeah. in this film oh. are being used they're basically taking people who have problems and using them to seduce them into this organization that's meant to save the planet and only they can save the planet no one else can to produce these drugs that are given to people that alters their minds and makes them uh transfers more easily or sell heroin or whatever. Um, and so, but, you know, obviously Whistler's brother wants Jack Death dad, dead. But the interesting, so McNulty travels back in time and now they have what's called a, it's like a tap sack or something. Or something. <laughs> I know I'm saying that wrong. It's, bas- <laughs> it's basically, they can now transport someone. Oh, transec. So they can transport someone from the past into the future, but not from the future into the past. So physically, they're not, not sending a consciousness, but actually physically going, because Jack Death's body in the future has calcified. Oh, so no. His body is not usable anymore. Oh, dear. He's been, he's been gone too long. He's been down the line too long. Exactly. So they transform. So they basically need Jack Death to come back to fight the new transers. But Whistler's brother is actually back in 1991, California. And this movie aesthetically is totally different from Transfers, which is the one thing that, like, I, I dug the movie, but it just ditched the total aesthetic. It's not set at night. There's no neon. It's bright daylight for almost all scenes outside in the last, in like the Northern California country. Cause they clearly just shot it at Charles, at Charles Band's house. Um, <laughs> But it still, it didn't look cheap though. It still looked good. It was still directable. Like, and this was the only one that Charles Band came back to direct after that for the other Transfers movies. It was other directors. Um, Ooh, it's got and, a 90s aesthetic is what you're saying. Yeah, an early 90s aesthetic. So it's kind of, it, it, it actually ages worse than the first Transfers. Of course. Um, but here's the kicker. So the other Transfer Hunter that they sent back in time six months ago that's now being held by the, the Transfer Corporation is Jack Death's dead wife. What? So they went back, the, so they traveled back in time the day before she dies in his arms to send her back to, to try and bring down Whistler because she was the second best transfer hunter out there. And so now she's in the body of her ancestor who was another attractive woman. McNulty is in the body of his 15-year-old girl ancestor. And it's very awkward because Jack Death is like, in 48 hours, she will die. So I just have to get through this 48 hours with my two wives and not, it kind of becomes like a little bit of a bedroom farce where he's just like, okay, I have to make sure that they both don't know who each other are. But then it comes out right away because Jack Death's wife from the future wants to sleep with him and in their current incarnation, but he's like, well, you know, we're technically different people now. So I'm not cheating on you with Helen Hunt. Um, and then eventually he, he tells her that like, you know, you die the day after you go back and she's like, Oh, so it winds up working. It winds up happening where they, um, they of course defeat the evil transfer corporation and it's like, okay, Jack, it's time for you to get into this pod and go to the future. But he's like, well, I'm not going to go. My first wife will die if she stay if she goes back using the antidote. So he puts her into the pod. And by the way, the pod is built for two. So like Jack death and her could go back, but Jack death, tells her like in my world in my life you died and i grieved for you and i got over you 
So he sends her to the future in the pod to be a transfer hunter in the future, and he remains in 1991. Now, I'll quickly run through the names of the others. Uh, <laughs> that was a lot. Yeah, so very quickly. Transfers 3. Uh, so Transfers 2 is called The Return of Jack Death. Transfers 3 is called Death Lives. Transfers 4 is called Jack of Swords because he gets sent to a different dimension where it's like a medieval sort of thing. Oh, that could be fun. Yeah. Transfers, Transfers 5 is called Sudden Death. And Transfers 6 is just called Transfers 6. <laughs> you just ran out of subtitle ideas. And There's no more death puns we can do. Yeah. yeah. Helen Hunt shows up, comes back for Transfers 3. And then she appears... Death do us part? I mean, there's so many. Yeah, and then she, she makes an appearance in Transfers 6, which came out in 2002. So here's the... Here's, like an appearance? That could just be like they used her photograph. I'm pretty sure they used stock footage. Yeah. So here's the timeline here. Uh, Transfers 1 comes out actually in 1984, but it's set in 1985. Transfers um, City of Lost Angels comes out in 1988. Transfers 2, Return of Jack Death, comes out in 1991. Transfers 3, 1992. Transfers 4 and 5 both come out in 1994 because they were shot back-to-back, -back probably at the castle that Charles Band owned in Italy. And Transfers 6 comes out in 2002. Now, with Transfers 6, Tim Thomerson is obviously getting a little too old to play the role. So I think what happens is that is that he jumps into another um, ancestor of his Who's a younger guy? I actually think it's, it's, it's a girl, I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. But on the whole, um, back to the movie where we actually watched, I, I dug the hell out of Trancers. And yeah, it's great. And I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. Screw it. I liked, I liked it a lot. I thought it was really good. Um, and I'm glad we watched I'm glad I finally watched it. And also, I'm glad it's restored because I was looking up the trailer for it and the original trailer, which is like a VHS rip, like, Oh my God, seeing this on VHS must've been, you, you'd lose so much. Oh, it's, sure. It's a really bad four by three crop. And also the colors are just so dead in it. You don't get that rich, rich background yeah. and, and the lighting. So guys, um, that was transfers. Ooh, oh. Um, I'm not sure what we're going to be watching next episode. Hopefully I'll get this out soon. Hopefully this recording worked. I'm, I'm praying it worked. I'm going to find out as soon as we end this meeting. Um, I think fingers crossed. Yeah. So with all that being said, we'll be back soon with our next episode. Uh, what's the next one we could do? I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll find out what's on Tubi or Shout Factory and we'll do something cool. Yeah, we'll find something we can all watch, basically. Yeah. yeah. We'll try and get Lillian back on the pod. She has Zoom now. Nice. All right. So for Death by Video, I've been Phil. I've been Kit. And I'm always Graham saying, please be sure to rewind. Keep yourself safe, stay healthy, and we will see you next time. Good night. Cheers.